0: Welcome to the final episode of Series 1 of the Smart Buildings Insider, our podcast dedicated to providing you with the latest smart buildings innovations, talking points and trends. I'm Lewis Martin, a global headhunter within the smart buildings market, and today I'm joined by a panel of experts provided by Vedantics. Together, we'll be talking about the industry trends that are set to have a major impact on the smart buildings market in 2022. Before I introduce our panel, just a quick reminder, that will be running a live Q&A. So if you have any questions, please do pop them into the chat and we'll do our best to answer them on the fly or at the end. Uh, And you can also sign up to receive updates and exclusive content from the Smart Buildings Insider by signing up to the series via the chat right now. Um, Anyway, let's get started. So Susan, Ibrahim, can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about what Vedantic's do?
1: Uh, Great, absolutely. Um, Hi Lewis, uh, thank you very much for having us, and welcome everyone to today's webinar. Uh, We're really excited today, um, shortly, to be sharing our predictions for next year, uh, because it really is going to be another exciting year um, for the sector, and another year of change. Um, I'll just start by giving you a very top-level introduction to Vedantics, for those of you um, who haven't come across before. Um, We're an independent research and consulting firm focused on the technology sector and within that we um, really have expertise around EHS, operational excellence, smart buildings and sustainability. And our research is used by a wide range of business executives that are looking to deploy technology to enhance their business outcomes. And we're looking forward to um, sharing with you some of our latest research in the discussion today. Um, just as a personal introduction, um, I head up the Smart Building Research Team. We're based across the UK and the US, and I've been in the sector now for just over 10 years with a background
2: in sustainability. And yeah, just to uh, introduce myself, uh, I'm a senior analyst on the Vedantic Smart Buildings team, headed up by Susan. Um, I have been in the industry for just over five years now and uh, my background was in energy policy research and sustainability as well.
0: Great. Okay. So, of course, today's topic is on 2022 predictions and trends, but I think it'd be good just to quickly recap on major trends for 2021. Uh, After all, many of them will continue to impact the industry throughout the next 12 months. Um, as you've mentioned Susan Vedantic's publishes predictions every year uh, whether it's to inform or challenge uh, the smart buildings market so um, I guess a question is what did you get wrong with your 2021 predictions?
2: Sure so uh, yeah I can take that one Um, yeah so uh, I'll I'll just highlight three that didn't go completely uh, our way in terms of uh, you know the accuracy of our predictions. So one of our big predictions last year for 2021 would uh, would be you know in the smart building space there'd be a big shakeout of COVID 19 solutions. Um, but as is obvious you know with the rise of Omicron and even before that uh, you know the pandemic has lasted longer than we expected. So you know out of three we get we, I guess we can give ourselves a 1.5. Um, Our survey data shows that firms will continue to invest in cheap pandemic solutions over the long term, Um, and yeah, that's uh, kind of one of the areas where we we didn't fully see the extent of the pandemic. Uh, The second area where our predictions wasn't entirely right was about building electrification. Uh, We predicted that it would gain a lot of momentum. Uh, whilst this is definitely the case, you know, there are new government programs, particularly across uh, the US, the UK and mainland Europe, which explicitly support el- building electrification through regulations or subsidies, uh, a big part of that um, sector, the uh, in terms of gas-fired assets, which are in many buildings, uh, it will take multiple decades to to fully convert them so we we can't uh we can't fully uh fully say that it's gained uh, full momentum so for that i would say we can only give ourselves a 2 out of 3 and then just finally uh, another big industry topic that we made a prediction on digital twins which is a term i'm sure many people have heard uh we predicted that it would uh you know there would be a big focus on complex properties in 2021 whilst this did turn out to be Turn out to be true. Uh, what we didn't really uh, get in terms of the nuance for our prediction was that uh, it's mostly the case in newly developed buildings and buildings that are already considered smart, uh, mostly being offices or broader smart city projects. So for this reason, uh, we give ourselves a, a, again a 1.5 out of three.
1: Um, so I guess Ibrahim has uh, taken us through a few areas where we think we fell a little bit short in terms of our predictions, but um, uh, it, it wasn't all bad, bad news. Um, I'd like to kind of highlight one prediction that we think we got spot on. Um, one of the major calls that we made on the market is that this year would um, see a huge wave of um, Acquisitions across the IEWMS sector, so across the sector of integrated workplace management systems, because we thought that um, vendors would look to be growing their customer bases and extending their software capabilities. Um, and actually, what did happen uh, this year is 2021 was really a bumper year for deal activity. And we saw um, yeah. more deals than ever. Uh, closed in that mm-hmm. that particular sector. And I'll just give you um, a few highlights to bring that to life. So we saw a mega merger between SpaceIQ and iOffice creating a new IWMS powerhouse. Um, we saw some vendors positioning as next generation IWMS, such as Nuvolo and Tango, raise funding. Um, and then finally, we saw MRI continue to be very acquisitive um, and this time turning its attention to the the IWMS sector. Um, uh, So that is definitely a prediction uh, that we really feel we were uh, spot on. Oh, just about to say, Lewis, I'd be interested um, in in your thoughts about um, 2021. Um, Did anything happen um, differently versus what you were expecting?
0: Um, well, I think I have to agree with the majority of what you've mentioned um, when it comes to indoor air quality, naturally given COVID impacts, um, there is a call to action. Um, I'm still somewhat surprised by, I guess, the, the lack of technology adoption, but we've certainly seen an increase in that over the last quarter. Uh, and I anticipate when we speak about future trends and that, that will continue um, outside of I, um, I'd be IWMS, I think Um, from a, uh, not just an acquisition standpoint, but also an investment standpoint, when you look at different technology vendors across the smart building space, as well as also tying that into prop tech, um, I'd go as far to say, and I think I saw a stat uh, earlier on this week, which has been the biggest investment year known to the commercial real estate. Um, And I think Um, that is probably here to stay over the next 12 months. Anyway, moving on. um, So I think we are going to discuss um, three or four topics. um, And um, Susan, or pardon me, Ibrahim, um, when it comes to workplace environment, um, we've seen that um, it's evolutionized over the last 12 months. Can you talk me through um, a 2022 trend that you're anticipating uh, over the next year? Sure
2: thing. So... um... With uh 2020 and 2021, everyone became familiar with the term of hybrid working. Uh, so the way we think about it at Vedantics is there can be generations of trends as well as 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 well as technology. So one of our predictions for 2022 is that there will be a second. Uh, generation of hybrid working that will have a different set of definitions and themes compared to uh, what came before it Uh, the first iteration or generation of hybrid working primarily focused on um, you know employee productivity and autonomy so essentially you know when people working from both the office and home their employers and the the corporate enterprises uh, are very worried about you know Minimizing disruptions to task completion and to business operations, um, and that's and that is obviously a very critical objective. But what will come next in 2022, in our opinion, will be that the the shift of focus will will go towards uh, collaboration um, as the focal point, and this will really constitute a new generation. Over the next three years, we're anticipating that employee productivity in the office will will be key. Um, the, the pandemic showed executives that workers can be productive when working from home. So if they're going to go in the office, uh, the, the aim of the game is to really optimize their, their collaboration and their ability to, to work together for that valuable time that they're not, um, that they're actually on premise. And what we think will happen is that firms will update office spaces and bring in new areas for collaboration, community, socialization. And all of this is to really um, the end game of this is to increase employee satisfaction, to ensure that when they go into the office, um, there's uh, minimized workplace frictions and they they have a good experience from the software vendor side. Uh, we're anticipating that software firms will, um, you know, do everything they can to facilitate employee collaboration with their co-workers through their uh, mobile and uh, web interfaces. Some examples of these firms will be uh, Artishock, FM Systems, Rapal, GoSpace IQ, Matrix Booking, and um, n uh, These solutions, um, they'll range from simple room booking systems to advanced mobile apps with virtual assistants that help their employees plan their day, um, a, a good example of this is uh, JLL JET, um, released last year officially, uh, and virtual workplace solutions such as Gavatown and uh, So uh, SoCoco. Um, and uh, on the kind of the more future-looking um, uh, perspective, you even have firms that will develop virtual reality environments for um, employees to work in. So What we're seeing is that firms will will uh, up the ante on their investment into smart conference room solutions, uh, video conferencing and touch screen whiteboards. Uh, they're, they're coming at this from a variety of perspectives and the underlying theme is that there'll be a new generation of hybrid working focused on uh, collaboration.
0: Yeah, and I think um, we're talking about corporate practices and and I guess what's gonna change when it comes to technology used to either optimize building maintenance or security as a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's share some uh, further predictions for um, next year. And I'd love to hear from the audience as well, uh, what they're anticipating to really kind of uh, shake things up in um, 2022. Um, so our next prediction centers around uh, building security. And I'm talking there primarily in terms of um, the physical security of buildings. Uh, We're anticipating it's going to be a really dynamic space in um, 2022, uh, primarily shaped by the fact we're seeing buyers have new appetite for cloud-based and mobile-enabled solutions. Now, it's a very old, I guess, uh, multi-decade sector, building security technology, And in many ways, it's been been traditionally one of the slowest moving parts of the whole smart building space, Um, reflecting the fact that um, uh, many of the systems have been based on proprietary protocols. And there's been quite a lot of reluctance on the buyer side as well to change solutions and adopt innovation. Um, However, kind of what we're seeing right now, and we're expecting to really kind of ramp up next year is that customers will have increasing interest in digitizing their security systems and adopting this kind of next generation technology. And what we see through some of the the surveys that we run on um, an annual basis is that um, uh, kind of corporate occupiers have quite clear interest to invest across solutions such as uh, cloud-based video surveillance and modern um, next generation visitor management systems. So we're expecting quite a lot of kind of movement on the buyer side. Um, And this is actually going to kind of impact the the vendor landscape as well, uh, given that buyers want increasingly rich functionality from their building security systems. They want mobile app key cards. They want some more sophisticated incident response functionality. Um, it's really going to force vendors to um, up the game in terms of their proposition and offer more complete solutions to the market. Um, so specifically, we're anticipating in um, um, 2022, and I think, uh, Lewis, this comes back to a point you were making at the start of the webinar. Uh, we do think it's going to be one of the parts of the market that will see a flood of um, M&A activity because vendors really want to broaden uh, their solutions to meet Changing buyer demands, and um, some of this MA has already started. Um, if we look at this year, we saw Motorola Solutions acquired Open Path uh, bringing its cloud based solution into a much kind of richer uh, set of security products.
0: And then, just, um, just quickly, would and to put you on the spot here, but would you say it's more, the trend is going to happen more across North America, or you're going to see quite evenly balanced from a global perspective.
1: That particular trend, um, I think, we will see emerge uh, the fastest across North America. Um, we've been tracking the innovation quite closely in building security technology, and the majority of these next gen, I'm calling them next gen, but they're kind of um, IoT enabled mobile app enabled um, building security systems are primarily um, North America headquartered. Um, So I expect the trend will happen there first and then it will um, kind of filter through uh, to to Europe. Um, So lots happening there. And I was actually about to flag up that Vedantics is launching for the first time ever an entirely kind of new research stream around building security. We want to be kind of Uh, They're right at the forefront of the market, uh, tracking all of this exciting, exciting change.
0: Okay. Uh, And then from an AI perspective, what are your thoughts? From an
1: AI perspective, yeah, I have to say um, it's a a kind of a phrase or concept that's been uh, difficult to escape in the smart building space, um, uh, particularly over the past 12 months. Um, But we do have quite a few kind of uh, strong thoughts here. And our overall prediction is that AI-enabled software will become increasingly pervasive in the smart building space, particularly around um, energy and maintenance software. And as these products do become more commonplace, this will reset buyers' expectations around what an energy and maintenance software vendor should deliver. Um, So that is our big overall prediction. And I'd like to dig into that um, a little bit more. So I guess if we look back over the past couple of years, it's been clear to us that uh, smart building software firms are increasingly incorporating AI into their platforms. It's primarily been to deliver new efficiencies in data management and also help their customers drive new efficiencies across building operations. And firms such as Brainbox, uh, Johnson Controls and Verdigris have been pioneers in this space, uh, using AI for better data management and smarter HVAC controls. Um, But what we're expecting to happen actually is this space does have the potential to mature quite rapidly. And this means that as there are kind of more AI based solutions in the sector, it's really going to raise the bar in terms of what customers expect and ultimately this could put pressure on some legacy vendors in this market so some of the more mature energy and cmms vendors that haven't made the same investments in ai or formed partnerships they simply risk uh, falling behind the market uh, with these exciting kind of new propositions as they've been coming in
0: okay <clears throat> I'd, um, I'd add from an AI perspective as well in, in terms of talent um, when we have multiple or as we continue to, to really evolve the AI or ML part of the smart building space I do believe that's where the bridge will be built when it comes to talent as you as as you both know um, it's a, a very depleted workforce at the moment across the whole globe for smart buildings and um, having multiple conversations with senior leaders, uh, they really believe that once they find or continue to um, adopt AI technology, it will bridge mostly and, and perhaps even all the gap when it comes to talent. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely an interesting space and uh, a trend which I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, of course, um, outside of that, uh, ESG has been um, a major, major trend for 2021 and, and is going to be for 2022. Um, Ibrahim, when, when it comes to corporate practices and technology, um, what trends are you anticipating from an ESG perspective? So uh,
2: one of them will be that landlords uh, get a lot more involved in uh, advertising their ESG credentials. Um we recently did a survey of North American commercial landlords and uh, this did actually confirm the rise of ESG and their strategic decision-making. Uh, I think um, if I'm right, uh, around over 50% see building decarbonization as a top two priority in their objectives between 2022 and 2024. Uh, and if you compare this to a survey we did of the same, uh, you know, same demographic or sample set or segment you know uh commercial landlords in 2019 before the pandemic uh it was under five percent saying the same about decarbonization so you can really see a tectonic shift there like it's hugely hugely different to several years ago the only other factor that was uh, more important was capital availability because of uh low interest rates and a host of other economic factors um so how will this um this interest in ESG translated to tangible actions on the part of landlords. Uh, again, our survey data shows one focal point of investment is certifying buildings uh, with green and wellness standards. So I don't know if, if any of the audience have come across a, a building where they they like to advertise, you know, their BREAM certified or well certified. Um, it's essentially you know an accreditation that they uh, they pass by providing multiple data points about you know the energy, the wastage, the water usage, the quality of the indoor air and other such factors. Um, and in, in our survey for 2021 of commercial landlords uh, over 60 percent said that they're going to incorporate this certification um, into their sustainability initiatives in 2022. Uh, so we're really going to see a lot of momentum in that part of the market. And why why does this matter? Uh, I guess from the landlord perspective, uh, that they they see that these certifications can help them boost their rental income, particularly in prime real estate locations where, you know, Class A or uh, Class B building assets are located and they're leased out by uh, global multinational corporations. Um, And, you know, there's lots of evidence, uh, you know, particularly in London, that BRIAM certified buildings collect uh, more rent on average than non-certified buildings, um, and they have a higher leasing velocity. So there's a lot of you know return on an in investment there. So ESG does have a strong financial element to it another aspect to, to note from landlords when it comes to esg is that there, there are more options for them to to go into so there are more things that they can get certified on uh, beyond you know just the quality of the air or the efficiency of the waste management yeah. uh, there's new standards like the health safety rating by well this specifically demonstrates their commitment to covid19 outbreak prevention um, and you know just the final point a lot of these certifications are actually becoming cheaper. Uh, So we expect this to to spread quite widely in 2022.
1: Great. Yeah, I'll just um, provide a few more comments on that whole landlord sector. Um, I guess for them as well, there is a lot of financial risk if they do not act on ESG and decarbonisation. One of the big risks for them is if they hold a carbon intensive portfolio over the long term that could potentially start losing value and becoming more difficult to both let out and uh, resell. Uh, So eventually um, uh, it, it could be standard practice. I can very much see that happening, that landlords really have to kind of consider carbon intensity and ESG and climate risks as part of their standard practices if they want to kind of retain and grow the value Of their portfolio. Um, So I'll just provide actually kind of one final uh, prediction from Vedantix and this um, ties back to the theme that Ibrahim um, has been talking about around sustainability and decarbonisation. One of our big predictions is that we'll see building to grid interactions increasingly shape Uh, corporate energy management strategies and actually the concept of um, a grid interactive building it has been around now for a number of years and in fact the whole concept um, was initially defined and coined by the US Department of Energy to describe the fact that we're increasingly seeing buildings flex their power usage to balance um, demands um, demand of supply and avoid transmission mm-hmm. and capacity constraints on the main electricity grid. And one of the kind of con- ideas behind the grid interactive building is it can help us um, with integrating renewables and enabling the power sector um, to meet the, the demands of growing populations. So it is somewhat a, a mega trend um, that will be emerging over the decades to come. Um, But in terms of what specifically we are anticipating will happen um, next year is we're anticipating that real estate owners and operators are going to build on existing energy efficiency investments by launching more sophisticated strategies that start tapping into the opportunity for buildings um, to interact with the grid. And by that I mean we're going to see more flexing of power in response to price or grid signals. And there could even be some more sophisticated strategies based on um, uh, generate and store. Yeah. Um, and I guess with that, it's not just going to be about flexing power usage in response to price. I think we're also going to see firms um, start to consider the carbon intensity of the power grid. So for example, um, if The kind of grid is at more of a a carbon intensive state because we have um, not much solar power coming on, not much wind power coming on. Um, Could we start seeing a situation whereby owners are starting to track this in more of a granular way and start adjusting the way that they use power in response to the grid carbon intensity and other factors such as um, changing prices. Um, so lots of excitement, um, on, on the horizon and yeah, we're looking forward to covering it all in Vedantic's research, uh, next year.
0: Do you, just quickly on the, the rise of grid, uh, interaction? Um, uh, do you think that trend is, is because of the, the rise of smart cities and, and that initiative as well, especially from an ESG perspective too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all wrapped into the whole concept of a, a smart city, um, more generally, the, the, uh, what I'm seeing is the building technology sector and building management sector is increasingly thinking about the building as part of a broader ecosystem. Um, and some of that actually is coming through with hybrid working. We're not no longer thinking of the building as the workplace. Uh, the building is one of many workplaces. And, and as a business, you have to think about your building, your digital workplace, your remote workspace. And the same concept is also showing up up a lot with the whole kind of smart city initiatives, um, the building as part of a, a bigger, more complex system. So, yeah, a- absolutely.
0: OK, very, very interesting. Um, be, before we open up to any Q&As, uh, I thought now is perhaps a, a good opportunity to address any personal predictions you may have.
1: Absolutely. Um, so maybe I'll um, kick off. So actually, we, we have done some fairly... Um, comprehensive work for the Vedantic's predictions, um, uh, but I guess I'll throw out um, another, another one. Um, so actually I'm expecting there to be, um, if we look at the size of the smart building market uh, in terms of um, revenue opportunity, um, I think we'll see a bit of a, a kind of boost next year. Um, we're seeing the market growing Annually, around um, uh, the particular sectors that we cover, kind of 10 to 14% a year. But I, th- I think it is possible for some segments of the market to really have a bump a year, uh, particularly smart workplace technology that enables a hybrid workplace. Um, I think the reasons for that is um, not only have budgets now been unfrozen, uh, but firms are finally starting to put the um, details together around their return to work plans, they've often been kicked down the road. So I think all of those factors are going to come in, come come together uh, to make that a kind of um, a year of growth for firms and smart buildings, but particularly the smart workplace uh, segment.
2: Uh, yeah, I can add to that. Uh, I think in 2022, uh, I can definitely see Uh, the very big real estate services firms that many people are familiar with, JLL, CBRE, Cushman and Wakefield, Newmark. I can see them getting a a lot more involved with with flex space operators. So offices that have very short lease terms, highly plush interior design and lots of technology. Um, And I, I imagine, you know, they'll invest more into this and this will become more commonplace for everyday workers. So uh, you, you won't necessarily go into you know your new office that's completely owned by your employer. Uh, it might be a multi-tenant building and it might look a bit more like we work. So I think in 2022, I, I would expect that to become a lot more common and this will become a, a long-term trend in the 2020s. Uh,
0: I'll tell you mine. I think um, from a talent perspective, um, we will continue to see a rise in opportunities. Um, I think it's, it's currently a race against time for everyone to tap in and and bring on uh, the very best of talent Uh, and I think over the next three to six months we'll still see that Um, from a um, investment standpoint the first three to six months I think we will still see a very strong growth rate Um, but what I'm most interested in is the latter six months and for the the older technology vendors, which perhaps went through their Series A or Series B 18 months, 24 months ago, and have a uh, more sizable ARR, um, I believe, or I I suspect, we will start to see acquisitions similar to the IWMS market. Um, and I think having had conversations with the likes of Tom Kay and Maureen Ehrenberg, um, they believe that as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to next year. Certainly certainly an exciting one as uh, we're, we're gaining more and more traction um and uh, just adoption when it comes to uh, actually making change so um yeah i think we'll, uh we'll switch over to a, a few questions now um so uh, this one's from an apologies if i if i pronounce your name wrong but a rat uh, and uh, either one of you can answer it but it's how will hybrid workspace affect commercial real estate
2: so i guess there's a number of key ways um From the corporate perspective, it essentially creates new challenges you have to address on a weekly or monthly basis. So um, before the the pandemic um, and before hybrid working, occupancy levels were a bit more stable. I know there was a big debate around, you know, not enough people, sorry, not enough Mm -hmm. space is being used. And there's there's a discrepancy between, you know, how much you lease and how much you actually need. But generally, occupancy levels were quite stable. Now it's harder to predict, uh, you know, the level of occupancy you'll have in your building. So you need technologies and software to anticipate that. To orchestrate it to manage it so that that's like the, the i think in my opinion the biggest impact of hybrid working from the corporate perspective from the landlord perspective um, i think it's a bit more dramatic actually uh because you know if less people are using the building you really need to up your game on you know convincing people to come back to the office uh to to show that the office has amenities that your your workstation at home does not uh so yeah from from a landlord perspective hybrid working really pushes them to increase uh you know the interior design the technology provision and just the general uh quality of the infrastructure for their buildings it has a uh, very very dramatic impacts in my opinion
0: agreed
1: uh susan anything to add um so yeah just building on the um ibrahim's points about landlords um it does have the potential to be quite dramatic we've already seen um in some of the subleasing data that's reported by firms like uh, CBRE that firms are looking to shed space and that that is um, being very clear in the uh, subleasing data so I think landlords are going to have to work hard employ new strategies um, new, more innovative leases to try and find new ways to um, to work with their their tenants but yeah certainly kind of lots of um, uh, cha- change ahead.
0: yeah I think it probably comes with giving tenants more of a say um otherwise we may end up going around in a circle uh but um yeah just because we've got a few questions here um back over to you then Susan so uh what are customer expectations from analytics for facilities and commercial buildings
1: yeah that is um a very good question so um I've got two thoughts in terms of what customers are looking for so the, the big theme right now with software and analytics is firms want the um solutions to be easy to use. Um, we have very much kind of, we're, we're in an era of self-service software linked to the kind of rise of low code platforms. It just has to be easy to adopt. Um, people don't want to go off to training days um, anymore. Um, I think we're seeing a bit of a um, customer raising their expectation in ter- expectations in terms of what these analytics deliver to them. And instead of being presented with dashboards and data, can the vendor go further and actually start presenting recommendations? And we're seeing that through some of the AI based platforms in maintenance, uh, which is really helping to kind of first um, uh, speed up decision making if the kind of end user doesn't have to sift through lots of charts and um, dashboards. So I think that that's one uh, big thing as, as well that as I'm seeing from the, the customer side.
2: I think there's also a a parallel to what uh, Susan's referring to in maintenance about recommendations. The the parallel is coming with um, analytics of the workplace. So instead of just presenting the data on occupancy or uh, data on what spaces are available, if you want to book a a room or a desk, uh, now what we're seeing is a push by software developers to just go straight to the step where the software says this probably best matches what you're looking for, or this interpretation of the data is best, best matches your objectives. Um, so yeah, definitely an evolution there as well.
0: Interesting. Uh, this one's quite a uh, a niche question. I'll, I'll open it up to both of you. So, uh, self decarbonization achieved through vertical farming is in the trend of smart cities in Europe, and as and is it like in Japan? And that's from Alfredo.
1: Um, so I can provide a, a few thoughts there. And um, from what I've seen of vertical farming, is it's it's still um, particularly in Europe. At the early uh sides of its life it's kind of I've seen um there's been evidence of pilot projects um so I think it, in many ways it's it's too early to tell but I I definitely think there's clearly a need to rethink uh, the whole farming sector it's one of the the biggest kind of um contributors to to carbon emissions um so yeah, I think let, let's kind of keep tracking these um, innovation projects that, that I've seen and, and hopefully that will be a, a route forward to more, um, yeah, sustainable farming.
0: And this one's from Dhruv and it's, uh, is there any opportunity for regenerative power in smart buildings?
1: So I guess if you look at buildings as a whole, there's so many opportunities to use energy more efficiently and um Uh, One solution, I'm not quite sure if this is kind of um, what you're guessing at that we've seen quite a lot in um, retail is trying to kind of reuse waste heat from refrigerators in in quite a useful way uh, to uh, start taking it into the kind of heating system. uh, So we're no longer kind of wasting energy. Um, there's, There's other areas, I guess. There's lots of quick wins, I think, in buildings before we get to some of the more sophisticated technologies, um, insulation, making sure that the, the scheduling of um, building systems is not wasteful. And I, I would suggest, if you're an end user, you tick off some of that low-hanging fruit um, before kind of moving towards these these innovation projects.
0: Okay. Uh, and final question, just because I am conscious of time. Uh, would a, a vendor agnostic approach to open source solutions be more attractive to landlords and FM companies?
2: I can take a stab at that one. Um, I think uh, it can be difficult to tell because essentially when, when it comes to landlords, they're typically just going to use uh, like Google, Amazon, uh, for example, for like Microsoft Azure for the cloud, that will be the infrastructure. Uh, so typically they're going to favor uh, software firms that base their software or the workflows on that cloud system or the compatibility with it Uh, for that that's for landlords separately I would say you have facility management services firms which will usually have an existing relationship with an IWMS firm Um, some of that might be on premise some of it might be you know migrated to the cloud Uh, so for sure I think it can be an advantage to have open source, but more practically speaking, uh, usually these firms, facility management firms, they rely on a couple of large IWMS platform vendors. So I would, I guess my my gut feel on that is to target specific firms or software vendors that are more likely to have these relationships in place rather than having a strategy where you can just connect to to pretty much anything. That's a bit too... Uh, too wide of a net so to so to speak and susan i don't know if you
0: have any uh that. it's a great response
1: great so i think ibrahim covered covered that off um nicely i guess if we think about both landlords and fm services firms they're working across such big building portfolios of quite diverse assets yeah as ibrahim was saying they're they're likely to kind of uh, leverage platforms that are globally scalable and i think that would be their major priority
0: Yeah, great. Uh, I think that is a great place to to leave it for today. Um, Just want to say thank you to everyone for joining us and a big thank you to our panel. Just a quick one on Vedantic's then, as uh, I know, Susan, you've been growing as a business quite a lot. And uh, it sounds like with the trends, um, you're also growing. So uh, just quickly talk us through that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Lewis. So I guess Vedantix is is growing uh, strongly at the moment. We've been achieving as a company around uh, 25% uh, year-on-year growth. As a technology analyst firm, we're very much uh, benefiting from the digitization trend taking place across uh, multiple sectors right now. And um, I guess specifically in smart buildings, um, the, the massive amount of funding into prop tech Uh, Also benefits for us. um, Nine billion invested in the sector this year, and often the firms that receive this funding, they they are also looking for kind of some strategic support. Uh, They not only have deeper pockets, but they're also under new pressure to achieve fast growth. So there is lots of appetite for um, kind of independent research and uh, strategic consulting services in the sector. So um, right now, the the Vedantic Smart Building team. Is hiring where we're looking to bring uh new analysts uh, into the team uh, this year
2: yeah lots of uh learning opportunities you know to shape the future of the market I'm not if that's uh, not an uh you know not an overstatement there's so many opportunities they're just going
0: to continue to come and agreed um a, a very unique place to sit in the space um if you would like to receive updates on our upcoming events or podcasts, Uh, then please do sign up to the Smart Buildings Insider via the link in the chat. Uh, And of course, if you have any recruitment or talent solutions needs within the industrial sector or more specifically across smart buildings, ESG or sustainability, please get in touch with me. Feel free to drop me a message or give me an email. Thanks everyone for joining uh, and enjoy your holidays.
1: Cheers everyone, happy holidays.
0: Thanks guys.